All right, so 2 Thessalonians, we just finished 1 Thessalonians, and uh, now we're into 2, and uh, kind of the theme of this book is uh, waiting for Christ, and we're going to be uh, moving through this. There's only three chapters in this uh, letter. The other one had five, this one has three, and uh, we'll get through this in three weeks, and then we're going to continue to go right through uh, 1 and 2 Timothy, okay, so that's our plan. Go ahead, Danny. Um, so Thessalonica, obviously, it's... It's up there. Wait, you know what I got? That's I didn't realize. This is so cool. Watch this. Look at that. You know how you drive a cat nuts? <laughs> okay, so Thessalonica is right there. Second missionary journey. Boom, boom. They went all over the place. And there it is right up there. So um, Thessalonica, two letters to that church that um, Paul, Timothy, and Silas um, were part of planting, which is kind of cool. Go ahead to the next slide. So um, this is kind of an overview of this letter. The who is Paul, Timothy, and Silas, same as the first letter. Um, so it seems like it wasn't long before the first letter was written, the second letter was written, well, these guys are still together traveling around. So um, that's kind of interesting to think about, is that um, that's when this letter was written. These guys were moving together, and um, Paul's thinking about the people in Thessalonica when he's over in Corinth or wherever. Um, it's about, what it's about mostly is correct, to correct false teaching about, really mostly about the day of the Lord. Um, he talks about the day of the Lord and the second coming in First and Second Thessalonians. So a, a lot of this book is about that and then how to live, like as Christians, as we wait for that day, which is really cool. You know, to think about that Paul has given us good instruction about how we ought to live our lives as Christians while we're waiting for Jesus to come back. I mean, that's how fresh, that's how like, that's how they, how much they anticipated that day. It was like, like guys, it could happen next week, you know, 2,000 years ago. It could happen next week. We better be ready. You know, we, be, we better stay ready. Get ready, stay ready. Um, and then the when, about 53, 54 A.D., um, not long after the first letter was written, um, written from Corinth to the Thessalonians, and the why is to encourage the church to stand firm, and then also to reject false teaching. There's some false teaching going on in the church, and uh, they're standing firm, and they're fighting against it. A key verse is chapter 2, verse 3. Paul, uh, Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That's very interesting. The man doomed to destruction. So not only are they dealing with false teachers, but there's uh, the person of lawlessness is, is, is going to come at some point, and they'll have to deal with that as well. All right, Daniel. So we're in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to read it. What we're going to do is read through it. We're going to kind of dig through it, and then we're going to just make some application and and wrap it up, okay? So let's read through it right now. Go ahead, Danny. Paul, uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and the trials that you are enduring. Thank you. 
All this is evidence that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That's pretty powerful. Verse 10, on that day, he, he comes to, to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. This includes you because you believe our testimony to you. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. 12 verses. Great stuff. Go ahead, Dan, to the next slide. So we're going to uh, dig into some, we're going to kind of move through these verses again a little slower and kind of point out some things. I'm going to keep an eye on my clock right here. And, um, and that way we will be totally kosher and cool with everybody. Okay. I hope. All right. So, um, we're going to dig a little bit. Go ahead, Dan, next verse. So verses one and, uh, one and two are right here. If you got your Bibles, that's a, that's a really good thing to have open right now is your word. And uh, wouldn't hurt to circle, underline, highlight, write notes, whatever, whatever might stand out with you. Uh, don't be afraid to write in that thing. When the Lord comes, you won't take it with you. Okay, so it's okay. Uh, verse one, Paul, Silas, and Timothy he says to the church at Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is like an initial greeting to, uh, to, these, um, to the believers in Thessalonia that Paul is writing to. And the cool thing is Paul, Silas, and Timothy, if you look at 1 Thessalonians, it starts the same way, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, which tells us that these guys are still together. They're moving together when Paul writes this, these, these letters. So that's kind of cool. It happens in a, in a short period of time, not a long period. Um, the other cool thing about this is these guys are the first, like, biblical church planners. These are church planners. Like, we know people who, like Waypoint, is trying to plant churches in different places, and other uh, groups plant churches. These guys, that's where it comes from. That's the biblical thing to do is plant churches, which is something we should think about doing ourselves as, as believers in Burlington. Are we planting churches? Have we ever planted a church? And... And how can we maybe work together to plan a church somewhere that needs a church? Um, that might be a really smart thing for us to do. It would definitely be a biblical thing for us to do um, because that's the pattern that we see in here. Um, grace and peace, he says, uh, verse two, grace and peace to you from, from God, uh, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's cool, Paul saying like, whoosh, Throwing, he's throwing a, a blessing of grace and peace onto them. Go ahead, Dan. Chapter, uh, verse 3, um, Paul says, like, this first matter of importance is this. Look what he says. We ought to always thank God for you. Okay, look at that. That's kind of cool. 
you know, he greets them. And then the first thing that Paul's going to say from his lips is, thank God. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. Like, thank God that we have people to, to minister with to the world, you know? Not that we spend all of our time together in our holy huddle, but that we are working together to reach the world. That's the goal. It's out there is to reach people who are lost. And thank God there's people around us that are, have the same vision and the same passion, and they share in the support of that. And we have people that we support that are missionaries and people in other countries that are doing this work. And they would say about us, thank God for us, right? Thank God for BCC. You your funds are helping us do ministry. Uh, one of the cool things about Juan Cortez in Mexico is every time he writes me a letter, he's always just over appreciative of the partnership that we have, that, that there's people here at this church that support him and, um, and he knows he can't do it without us. He can't. And uh, either can we. And uh, that's kind of cool that Paul would say that, that, you know, the, uh, the first order of business is thank God for you. That's cool. And uh, when he says you, we ought to always, it's almost, there's something to that. We ought to always. It's like this indebtedness to thank God for you. Like we are in debt to each other. And we, we, we understand that we are like, we are bound almost to thank God for the people that support us, the people around us, the people that work together with us. And that's cool. That then also, you know, that, also, that has a flip side to it as well. Like if you're the one saying, thank God for these people that support the work I do, we also have, we also have this, the other side of the people who are supporting the work that have to, have to ask ourselves, like, are we really working together? Are we living up to this great call? together not just the people like not just the missionaries that we send money to but are we doing more than just sending money it's got to be more than that it isn't just about sending money it's about a partnership and uh living up to that partnership and there's this is kind of cool when paul says we ought to always thank god there's a kind of an intensity to that thought it's good um and he says uh for you brothers and sisters and rightly so because your faith and this is cool he says Here's, here's why we thank God for you. One, your faith is growing more and more. So Paul is like thrilled about the Thessalonians. In a way, this is in a way, Paul is patting himself on the on the back. Okay, because they planted the church, and now he's hearing about their faith and their love and all these things, and he's he's just proud of them. Like he's boastful of them. He is like excited for them and their faith, but at the same time, he's like. Like, this is the, the reward or the benefit or the, the blessing, I guess, of planting this church. Is that now he gets to see the kingdom grow and more people come to Christ and the word of God going out further and further. Uh, not wherever, and he's not even there anymore. You know, they're taking it and running with it. And so um, he's like thankful, thanking God for their faith as they grow more and more and the second thing is for their love for each other is increasing. That, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, in other words, there's really good progression. When Paul thinks about these believers in Thessalonia, he's thinking about the good progression that they're moving forward. They're not stuck. They're not at a standstill. They're not stagnant. They are moving forward. And Paul is like excited about that. That's pretty cool. You know, think about that. 
And then he says, verse 4, Dan, uh, therefore among God's churches, we boast about, and this is cool because like, it's like almost like Paul's thinking about all the churches that he's planted up to this point. You know, there's churches in different places. And then he's thinking about them, like, like about you guys. You know, when I think about the Thessalonian church, here's what I boast about, Paul's saying. I boast about two things. One, your perseverance or your patience. And number two, your faith. But Paul is, is excited. You know, he not only gives God thanks for them, but now he is like boastful and, and giving God glory and full of pride because of their faith and their patience. Those are two things that are really good to be known as, right? That, that their patience is, uh, is strong and their faith is strong because he says, look what he says, in all the persecutions and the trials that you are enduring. We don't know all that they're going through. We do know that they're, they're dealing with false teaching. We do know that they're dealing with people who are saying, uh, giving wrong advice or wrong teaching in, among the church, and their faith is staying strong, and they're, they're staying on point. Their patience is, is intact, and so they're, they're working their way through. That's a cool thing. Like, we're dealing with the COVID. Right? We're dealing with lots of stuff going on in our world. Now, could, would Paul say this about us? Would he say, BCC, your, your patience is awesome as you move through this time. Your faith is insane as you, as you continue to move through this period of life in, on our planet that is nobody expected. You know, what would he say about us? What would God say about us as a church? Um, in all the persecution and all the trials. In other words, like when the going gets tough, right? That's what we've been preaching about. When the going gets tough, what, what happens to us? Like, where are you? What do you, what do we do when the going gets tough? Do we fall apart and collapse or do we stay patient, stay full of faith, keep moving forward? When you're, when you're battling with, with uh, life-threatening things, um, where's the faith? Where's our faith? Where's our faith? When people we love are dealing with things like this, where is our faith, right? Because it's easy for our faith to be shaken, and we need people around us to keep us strong. So that's really important. Okay, Dan, go ahead, buddy. I'll go ahead one more. Sorry. Um, verse 5, he says, evidence. He, he uses the word evidence. It's a good word. He says, all this, all this that he just talked about, why he's thankful for them, why he boasts, about them, their faith, their perseverance, their patience. He says, all of this is evidence that God's judgment is right. As a result, you will be counted worthy. So think about that first thought. All of this is evidence that God's judgment is right. The fact that you're holding on to your faith, the fact that you're, you're patiently persevering and enduring whatever is coming your way, the fact that those things are happening to you and you are moving through them with great faith and patience proves, it proves that God's judgments are right. In other words, in the end of time, when you receive your reward, it will be because you persevered. It will be because through the trials, you showed great faith and God's judgment will be right. God is just, just like that. And, and he goes on to say, uh, as a result, you will be counted worthy, counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Uh, that's 
I don't know, I don't know about you, but this phrase counted worthy of the kingdom of God. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but there's no way in tarnation that I, that any of us are worthy of the kingdom of God. I mean, we're, at best, we're sinners that need to keep working at, at loving and honoring and, and keeping our, our heart and our mind set on things above and, and fighting against the temptations of life and, and the things that we struggle with and our weaknesses, right, that we battle with. We know we're not worthy of the kingdom of God, but because of God, we are counted worthy of the kingdom of God. And um, we, get to, we get to come along God inside of, with God and do our part as best as we can to honor him and to live for him. He says this evidence is through their perseverance and through their faith as they deal with the trials in this world. In other words, he's saying to them, like, you know, God is right. In other words, you stood the test. You're, you're standing the test of time. Like, as the tests are coming your way, you're standing firm in the faith. And therefore, you know, God's judgment is true and right, and it's going to be good. Um, you're counted worthy. You're living up to your walk in Jesus and, and, and eternal, your, your eternal reward is what you're waiting for, is to come. It's coming. It's coming. You're, it's going to come. Just continue to hang in there. Verse 6, Daniel. God is just. So he says it again. He says, God is just. In other words, what God says he's going to do, right? I mean, whatever God says he's going to do, he's going to do. It's not, it's not a matter of will God do it? Yes, God will do it. If he said he'll do it, he'll do it. And for those who believe in our honoring God and, and striving to live for God, they will receive the kingdom of God. And for those who don't honor God and disobey God and rebel against God, they will receive eternal punishment. And that's it. One or the other. There's not like a list of possibilities that you're going to uh, get to choose in eternity. You're either with God, honoring God, serving the Lord, and your reward will be great, or you're not. And that's what he says here. He says, I will pay back. God's, God, Paul says, God, he will pay back. In other words, God will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. Right? Isn't that cool? In other words, God has got your back. He's like, got our back, right? You honor God, he's got your back. You dishonor God, you're on your own, and you're going to face, you're going to face eternal judgment. It's not going to be fun. Because look what he says. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. That's when the reward will happen. Until then, we might have to suffer. Until then, we may have to go through all kinds of trials and tribulations and testing, and it may not be fun. And to the very last breath of our life, it might be a little bit of hell on earth. But by faith, our reward will be great. Right? That's what Paul is trying to say to these guys. You hang on because no matter what happens, no matter how hard it gets, what's coming is going to be greater than anything else. Hang on to your faith. Be patient. Remain faithful to the end. And relief God says he's not only going to uh, protect you or, or pay back trouble to those who trouble you, but he's going to give relief to those who honor him. 
And that's cool that God gives relief along the way as well. But we got to admit that our greatest relief is going to come when Jesus returns. That's going to be ultimate relief, right? I mean, that's ultimate relief. Verse 8, Daniel, uh, he's going to punish those, again, those who are against him and those who are against you. Notice what he says, he will punish who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished, verse 9, with everlasting destruction. That's God speaking. This is the word of God right here speaking to all of us that we have a job to do, and, and that job is warning our friends. That if they don't honor God, if they don't know the Lord, if they don't come to accept Jesus as Lord, they're going to face everlasting destruction. That's just the way, that's just the truth of, of what's going to happen. Not only will they face everlasting destruction, but they will be shut out from the presence of his glory. That's what we call hell, right? Hell is being connected from, from God, from, from, from the very presence of God, at least now on the earth, we have the presence of God among us, right? Through his spirit, through the church, through people who believe the Holy Spirit is with us. So therefore the presence of God is among us. But when he removes that, when this time comes to an end and you are removed from the presence of God, you are no longer in a good place. You'll be in hell. And, um, and again, he says, Dan, verse 10, on that day, on the day he comes. Again, he's talking primarily about the day Jesus returns, when Christ comes again, to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. That's cool, right? Um, when? When is all this going to happen? When the day he comes. And what's going to happen? Those who believe are going to marvel. Like, we're going to be like in awe of his return. Like in all of the second coming, we're going to be like so anticipating that day. And I hope we already are like anticipating that day. Like if it happened right now, we would all be like running outside to go, yes, this is awesome. It's over. You know, no more pain, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more tears. And uh, those who don't believe, they're not going to be marveling at anything. They're going to be crying out. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be crying out. Right, so, so that should stir us up to action, right? As a church, as a church, as Christians, as believers, we, we should not be sitting around just glad we're saved. We should be sitting around doing everything we can to, to help other people get saved. Because when it's over, there's going to be those who marvel and those who cry. And that's all there's going to be is the two. Go ahead, Dan, verse 11 and 12, here's what he says. So with this in mind, he says, we constantly, so with all these things he's already said about them, he's proud of them, he's boastful of them, about the second coming of Christ, some are going to be marvels, some are going to cry. Of all these things that Paul has said so far in this chapter, he says, with these things in mind, we pray, we pray. And look what he says we pray for. He prays, one, that, that God may make you worthy of his calling. Right? That's a good prayer, right? That's something to write down right there. Circle that in your Bible, that God, this is what you should be praying about. This is what I should be praying about. It's what we should be praying about, that God will make you, that God will make me, that he will make all of us worthy of his calling. Right? That we'll live up to what he's called us to do. Not sit around thankful. That's good. 
but busy, busy about the work of the kingdom before he returns of his calling. The second thing is that, that by his power, and I love this, look what he says, that by his power, he may bring to fruition, that's a cool word, isn't it? Fruition, in other words, make it come about, your, look what he says here, your every desire, <laughs> we'd like for it to stop right there, most people, you know, that God will just do whatever it is I want, but he doesn't stop right there. He says, your desire, your every desire for goodness. That is the things that are good and right, that God says are good and right, right? That we are wanting what God wants, not what we want. And then also he says, and your every deed prompted by faith. So this is what Paul is praying for, not just that. Verse 12, he says, and we pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified. And so... Those are the three things Paul says that, he, that he's praying for for them in this first chapter is that, one, uh, God may make you worthy of his calling, that his power will, will be uh, shown in us and our every desire motivated by goodness and by faith, and that Jesus will be glorified. And that's what Paul, Paul is praying for for these believers in Thessalonians. That's pretty cool, right? It's a great chapter, and those 12 verses are it, right? It's a, it's a letter, it's a word of encouragement to live in Jesus. It's a letter of thanks. It's a, it's a reminder that we should honor God and that he's got our back. It's, it's, a, it's a letter that says, keep looking forward. Jesus is coming. Live for that day and do everything you can now leading up to that day. Live in a way that's worthy of that day when he comes, that you'll be proud that you honored him in everything. As you look forward to the return, and it's a, it's a chapter of prayer. It's about, God, about, about Paul praying for these believers. So, so we're going to wrap it up here. What's a, what's a good-looking church look like? Think about that for a minute. What does a good-looking church look like? Maybe our, your mind goes to the building. Scratch that. Okay, because it has nothing to do with... Bricks or mortar, we know that, right? Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay. So it has nothing to do with a building or property or anything like that. We know that a good-looking church is about the people that claim to love Jesus and are honoring him with their lives. That's what the church is, right? So what does a good-looking body look like? Here's some takeaways. Go ahead, Dan. Number one, six takeaways. Number one, survey said. Good-looking church. Go ahead. Sorry, one more. Good Looking Church has a growing faith and love, okay? A growing faith and love. So in verse 3, he said, we ought, to also, we ought always to thank God, to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, uh, and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more. And so it has this faith that is growing more and more in love and more, okay? So ask yourself, ask us, BCC, are we growing more and more in love with him, with God, and, and with each other, and with the, the ministry that he's called us to? Um, are we? Second thing, number two down, Vanna. I'm going to call you Vanna from now on. Uh, number two, uh, a good-looking church has much to boast about, okay? And that's what, that's what Paul said in verse four, that he was boastful for them because their faith and their perseverance, their, their uh, patience. And so that's what a good-looking church looks like. People 
that, that, that we boast about or that God would boast about or that Paul would boast about, that, that what we're doing is on, you know, it's on target, it's on task, it's, it's what God called us to do. And, 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 and Paul would be proud to, to point those things out, that we're doing those things as believers, as a church. Number three, Dano, or Vanna, uh, that we'll be counted worthy of the kingdom. That's what a good-looking church looks like, that when God looks at us, the body of believers, he would say, yep, without a doubt, worthy of the gospel, worthy of the kingdom of God, worthy. Not maybe worthy, not I'm not sure. We're going to put them on a back burner and we'll decide later. But, but without a doubt, they're living their lives as a body and as individuals in a way that is worthy of the kingdom of God. That's so huge. Number four, then, oh, God has your back. That's what a good-looking church knows. Good-looking church understands that God has our back, right? I'll give you all these notes after this. Um, that God has our back, okay? That's cool to know, right? I mean, those who trouble you, God's going to take care of them. Maybe not right now, but they're going to they're gonna get their day. Don't look for revenge, right? Let God take care of that. He will. And, and those of us, or those of you who need relief, at times we all need relief. God will give us relief. He knows what we need, right? He's got our back. That's what a good-looking church knows. They understand God knows. Them. Number five, Daniel, glorifies God. Verse 10. Verse 10, Paul, Paul says, on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy, in his holy people, in his holy people, in us, and to be marveled at among those who have believed, right? So a good-looking church is more concerned about glorifying God than they are about just about everything else, right? I mean, you name it. You name everything that anyone has ever correct about in the church, and you can put it on that line that God is more concerned that we glorify him than that, whatever that may be. So, so we should get our mind on glorifying God because that's what a good-looking church does. And the last thing is this. A good-looking church is a praying church. That's, that's what Paul is getting at here is as, as he sets this example of what he's praying for them for, that they would be worthy. Right, that they would live a life worthy of the calling, that the power of Jesus would move in them, that their wants and desires would line up with the goodness of God and what God desires, and God would do it, and that by their deeds would show their faith, that their faith would be a representation of, of the God that they claim to serve, that we claim to serve, and that Jesus, Paul is praying that Jesus would be glorified in the church. That's what a good-looking church looks like. Okay, Denno. So, First and Second Thessalonians. Great book. Great letter. We'll get into chapter 2 and 3 in the next couple weeks. 